Good morning. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to be with everybody this morning, and I'm happy to be here. I love being a capital. I'm one of the associate pastors on staff. My name is Kelly Preston, and um, I would like to breathe for a second. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Woo! Okay, there is something so unexpected about a show of strength in the face of weakness, isn't there? There is more than justice being served. This is when the script gets flipped and the story changes against all odds. How many of you like those kind of stories? Yeah, I do too. How many football games have you witnessed where you couldn't sit down because the players and the plays were keeping you on your feet? Hope was picked, adrenaline flowing, and prayers started getting verbalized underneath your breath. Oh, God, please let the Browns win this time. Oh, God, they need a miracle. (laughs) Next week (laughs) is Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) I don't know who you're rooting for. I don't know if you even care about the Super Bowl next week, but I would imagine across our country there are going to be many passionate prayers prayed in living rooms all across the nation. I don't watch a lot of sports partly because I don't have cable and partly because a couple of my family members may or may not believe that if I watch a game, I actually jinx it. So... (laughs) It's real. Uh, But I was present and accounted for on Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals. When the Cleveland Cavaliers, oh yes, beat the Golden State Warriors. Yes! Okay, come on, one for Cleveland here. The screams, thank you, thank you for your empathy for Cleveland, Ohio. This is where I'm from. The screams in our living room could have been heard in Ohio. I'm not kidding. All the way from Tooele. My favorite underdog stories always include someone doing the right thing for a long period of time without a lot of success, but staying faithful, staying focused, keeping their faith Today we're going to look at one of the most beautiful pieces of poetry in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40, where the weak become strong and the tired soar on wings like an eagle, where runners finish the race strong and the fragile keep walking forward with confidence. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, you are the one and only There is no one but you. You cannot fully be contained in our measurements or described in our languages, yet you're accessible to each one of us. Your plans for us cannot be stopped, and yet you don't push your agenda or force your followers into obedience. You are incredible, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to be our teacher this morning. 
Help us to discern this passage of Scripture and apply it into our lives today. In the name of Jesus, our strong Savior, amen. The book of Isaiah is written to the people in this prophet's day, but primarily addresses the Israelites. They went back and forth on trusting God. They would fully surrender to the Lord and then take matters into their own hands. They would follow this pattern over and over. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) Many of us can certainly relate to the fickle behavior Right of leaning in and trusting the Lord with everything we've got and then taking matters into our own hands. It's been a part of human nature since the beginning. In Isaiah chapter 40, he is specifically addressing what it will take for God's followers to fully trust the Lord and to live in their God-given potential. God knows we are humans. He knows it's not easy. He knows what it's like to live in this world. This week as I was reading about the life of Christ in a Bible study, I was stunned by the fact that Jesus truly shares our reality. He knows what our bodies and minds go through living in this world. He was here living on earth as fully God and fully human. He knows the struggle is real. We are weak in our own strength. But God invites us to share his strength. He wants us to experience his power in our lives. He wants us to remember he won't fail. Before we study arguably the most iconic verse of chapter uh, 40 in Isaiah, let's step back and remind ourselves why we can put all of our faith in God and lean on his power in our lives. If we begin, let's, let's start in verse 12 of chapter 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? First of all, the author reminds us how big God is. The water can be measured in his palm. The mountains fit on his scales He can measure the universe by the width of his hand. Verse 13, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? We try in our great, our greatest even, human wisdom to understand God. We attempt to describe him in our words and in our languages. As a kid, I remember sitting in McDonald's with my parents. This was when McDonald's was super healthy. (laughs) And I asked them, we didn't know, okay? (laughs) It was the 80s. I asked them this question, who made God? 
I couldn't wrap my brain around the idea that God always was. That in him all things held together. You want to know how my parents answered me, don't you? (laughs) Okay. They didn't. They were honest. And they said, honey, we don't know. But we know that God has always been there. And he always will be. Isaiah goes on in, in his description in verse 14. Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Have you ever wanted to help God out? I, I have. <laughs> I have some great ideas for him. You know, I think I could be very helpful. I mean, we could laugh about this, right? <laughs> but it's true. We probably wouldn't do things the way he does. Why are we out of work? Why is our marriage unraveling? We wonder what God is doing or not doing because sometimes it seems like it just doesn't make sense at all. How could anything good come from something so very difficult? But what if we could see things the way God sees them? What if he's leading us to a place of deeper faith, deeper understanding, or deeper dependence on him? What if he's showing us a path that will cause us to live in our full potential as his followers, where we share his strength, we see his goodness And we experience his faithfulness in our daily lives. If those were the norms, Isaiah continues to describe how great God is. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. These descriptions of a drop in a bucket and dust on the scales are not even measurable. They are too small to even be significant. Isaiah says, Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Greg and I used to live in Lebanon, and it is a country known for its forests full of cedar trees These are large, magnificent trees. But there are not enough of these trees or animals in their forests to create an offering worthy of our God. Verse 17, Before him, all nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. Isaiah continues to give us these descriptions. Nothing worthless, less than nothing. This doesn't mean that the world is worthless as if nothing to him. This means that compared to his greatness, there is no comparison. Our world and and what we've seen with our eyes doesn't even come close. Verse 18, With whom then will you compare God 
To what image will you liken him? In the time of this writing, it was common for images of gods to be made into wood or or metal. God forbade the Israelites from doing this in the second commandment. Why? Well, because this wouldn't do him any justice, for one thing. (laughs) There is no way to accurately represent God Almighty in the form of something we could put together here on earth. Verse 19, as for an idol, a metal, metal worker casts it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. Isaiah is recounting the typical process of making an idol. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. There's a lot of thought that goes into this. In the ancient world, if you couldn't afford a fine craftsman, you'd do your best to find a woodworker who could carve an idol that wouldn't tip over. It would be shameful if you had a god in your house that fell over easily. Idols were a way for people to feel a sense of control over their lives and over their futures. For example, idols were cast for infertility, for prosperity, and for good health. The point was to be blessed by having a system in place to ensure blessing and goodness. Isn't this similar to our contemporary expectations of God at times. Sometimes we can put our faith in a formula, believing that if I obey God, if I follow the Bible closely, then God will say yes to my prayers. He will bless my life. In this type of faith Formula. We limit God. We expect him to stay within the confines of our personal understanding of him and within the limits of our actions. Won't we be rewarded, though, for obedience? Yes, we will. But this doesn't mean that we jump the line, so to speak, and God is now looking at us as we are the favorite follower the best one, I will say yes to whatever you pray for, because, mm, you know what I mean? (laughs) He loves us too much. His ways are higher than our ways. We cannot limit him with formulas. Verse 21, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning Have you not understood since the earth was founded? With all due respect, this is Isaiah's way of saying, Hi! Wake up! (laughs) The evidence is all around you. Remember who God is. Verse 22, He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. How big is God? 
He brings princes to naught and reduces the ruler of this world to nothing. We have seen powerful people. We have witnessed mighty human strength. But all of that, we still haven't seen anything that compares to the power and might of God. But Isaiah says, no sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. This is the God we get impatient with and try to figure out. This is the God we want to fit into our perspective and into our ways of thinking. Verse 25, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. If God can do all this, he can handle my problems, my worries, my life. Nothing is too challenging for him. He won't fail. Verse 27, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Isaiah's first readers assume that somehow God is unable to see their problems or hear their call for help. In light of what we are being reminded about God in the previous verses, this accusation in verse 27 sounds pretty unfounded, doesn't it? But just like Isaiah's original audience, have you ever felt this way about God? I have. (laughs) That he's forgotten me. That he has bigger fish to fry. (laughs) There are bigger problems in the world for him to address than to hear what I'm going through. Have you ever felt that maybe you're not on his radar? Maybe he's ignoring your prayers, in particular yours. If you have, you're not alone. You just may need to be reminded of who he is and how he takes action. I recently heard a story that I I won't forget because it was from someone who walks closely with the Lord. But years ago, when he was devastated by his circumstances and Lots of reasons to believe God no longer heard his prayers. He said one night he shook his fist at God and he cursed God. He said that he was afraid to go to sleep that night because of his anger at God. And the next day he confessed this to a spiritual friend and his his friend responded in this beautiful way. He said, that was probably the most honest prayer you've ever prayed. Keep talking to God. This passage today 
is such good news. God is not too big to care. And our lives are not too small for him to see. Isaiah rallies his readers. Verse 28, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. We are reminded that God is eternal. He is immeasurable. He doesn't get worn out. He is too wise to be figured out. He doesn't need to take a break from giving us strength. He doesn't need to sit down in a lawn chair and sip a lemonade because he is exhausted from loaning you strength. I mean, you're too much. You're not. Hear the sarcasm there, okay? But sometimes do you feel like you're just too much for him? He already loaned you the strength last week, and now you got something else. Maybe you just need to handle this one on your own. His strength isn't measured the same way that ours is. We're so limited, aren't we? We run out of strength. We fizzle out. But he is limitless. In his vastness, he gives us strength. He gives strength to the weary Verse 29, he increases the power of the weak. Literally, he's the one who gives strength. This is part of God's character and his nature. It's not a once in a while shared gift. It's a habit of his. He shares his strength with those who need it. He doesn't put a cap on it. Verse 30, this is so good. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. This is so good because the older I get, I love it. I'm sorry if you're under 40, but mm, anyway, all of us get tired and weary. Hallelujah. Even the youths. Okay. The words tired and weary are similar here, but the first implies an exhaustion caused by internal weakness. The second refers to weakness brought on by external factors. The overwhelming difficulties life hands us, all of us. None of us are exempt from this. In this verse, Isaiah is making a point when he says young people, and he emphasizes young people, the last noun, young men, means chosen men. And it refers to elite young adults chosen for military service or athletic competition. The point that he's making is that even the best of the best, the the most physically fit, will grow weary. We all know what it's like no matter our age, what it's like to be exhausted, to be worn out. Isaiah says we can count on this fatigue. As a human being living in this world, we will be worn down 
we will be worn out by the pressure, the pace, the uncertainty that is life. But here comes the promise. Are you ready for it? Verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, the most magnificent bird. They will run and not grow weary, even in this elevation. They will walk, oh yeah, and not be faint. Our text reads, those who hope in the Lord. You may be familiar with other translations that says those who wait on the Lord. Both of these words, hope and wait, are correct. Both capture the Hebrew idea that waiting is an action. It conveys enthusiastic anticipation of God's action. The person who is waiting is looking, longing, expecting. Now the New Living Translation uses the word trust instead of hope or wait. This word trust equally expresses the point in verse 31. Seeking, longing, expecting, trusting. This means we're praying. These actions go hand in hand. The one who is weak and exhausted but rests in the care of God doesn't get every problem solved and fixed, but gets to share God's strength. This person who's waiting, longing, seeking, expecting, trusting, will be renewed by the Almighty God. Literally, he or she will continue to put on new strength. It doesn't run out. Even if our problem or our circumstance doesn't necessarily change, God's shared strength with you and with me will give us what we need to face each moment. Not long ago, when Troy was teaching this very passage, he pointed out the anticlimactic order of the verbs used in the second portion of verse 31. And this really struck me, and I wanted to share this again today. Maybe, this, maybe you remember this as well. Isaiah says, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. If you hope in the Lord, you will soar, run, walk. <laughs> it sounds like it should be in the other order, right? Because we think we're, we walk first, and then we run, and then we fly. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so cool if I could just fly right off the stage? Okay. <laughs> It's coming. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I really want to fly. Okay. <laughs> oh, it just doesn't, it just seems weird how these verbs are ordered. And we don't exactly know why. 
Isaiah ordered him in this way. But the point remains that when we wait on the Lord, when we turn to him for strength, he gives us what we need for each leg of the journey. Perhaps he realizes that it takes less energy to fly for just a moment or run for a short distance than it does to walk day after day after day, keeping the faith when things are moving slow. Our almighty God shares his strength with us and he causes us to soar like an eagle when we need to fly. He gives us strength to run when we need to move fast. And he gives us the stamina to walk one foot in front of the other. This is the strength we need for daily Life. He won't fail. If you are not physically able to do what you used to do or wish you could do, maybe because of an illness or because of aging or perhaps a lack of finances, what could God's strength look like in your life? Maybe it's an attitude of flexibility or hope. Maybe it's making every encounter over the phone or every email message that you write filled with Christ's love or every text message you send filled with Christ's love or every post. Maybe it's asking God to guide your prayers So you can play a role in encouraging someone behind the scenes in a powerful way through prayer. If you're at a fork in the road in your career or in a big decision in life, and you're not sure which way God is leading, what could God's strength look like in your life? Perhaps an attitude of thankfulness for every current provision and meal on the table. Perhaps making your need known to your friends, your community, so that you can receive their encouragement and maybe even their wise input. Perhaps it's fasting from something important in order to remove any obstacles that might be hindering your discernment, in order to draw you closer to Christ. You might have a child or a loved one with a chronic illness and you're caring for them on a regular basis. Your love, no doubt, for them fuels your heart to serve and to care for them. But maybe your body is exhausted and your hope is wearing thin. What might God's strength look like in your life? Maybe it's having an attitude of gratitude for the medical team you're partnering with. Maybe it's letting the love of others through meal deliveries or encouragement, even weird encouragement, be a gift from God rather than getting picky that people just don't get it. Nobody really understands where I'm at. Maybe it's asking God 
to draw you closer to Christ during wearing uncertainty so you can walk in his assurance through every up and down. Most of you know this one's a very personal one for me. He won't fail. This good news of hoping in the Lord and being renewed in his never-ending strength might sound ironically exhausting. But what if it wasn't? I recently read the words of an author who has spent much time researching the exhausting journey of faith and how Christ followers can become discouraged, disillusioned, and sometimes give up on God altogether. Once I started reading this this book, I couldn't put it down. In the book with Reimagining the Way You Relate to God by Sky Jathani, he makes a powerful observation about how we follow and walk with Jesus. Some of these factors are based on our culture, our upbringing, what we were taught, what we've observed and learned along the way. He makes these observations about the different ways that we might follow God. And I want to share just a little bit of this with you today. Life from God is when people live in a posture of wanting God's blessings and gifts but are not particularly interested in God himself. Life over God is when the mystery and wonder of the world is lost as God is abandoned in favor or proven formulas and controllable outcomes. Now this next one caught me by surprise. The author calls it a life lived for God. How many of you heard this phrase growing up? Living for God. I know I did. Life for God is the most celebrated of the postures because its primary concern is how best to serve God. It believes the most significant life is the one expended accomplishing great things in God's service. This may not sound problematic. We can put the career of a a pastor or a missionary on a pedestal. But when it causes us to question whether what we are doing in our career as a teacher or a doctor or a counselor or a sales clerk is not enough for God, this posture limits how we relate to God, how we see him. This posture of living for God puts a higher value on the life of someone simply based on their career choice and what they do for God. Let's look at another posture. It's life under God. This life sees God in simple cause and effect terms. We obey his commands and he blesses our lives, our families, our nation. Our primary role in this posture with God is to determine what God approves or disapproves and work diligently to remain in those boundaries. But what if there's another way? One that was not tasked 
with exhausting earning or expectations that leave us without joy, without strength, and without the desire to actually be with God. What about life with God? Life with God is different because its goal is not to use God. Its goal is God. He ceases to be a a device we employ or a commodity we consume. Instead, God himself becomes the focus of our desire. But before we can really desire God, we must have a clear understanding of who he is and what he is like. What if we could tap into the strength of God? If we could soar like an eagle, run with power, and keep walking one foot in front of the other with the confidence and the assurance that the immeasurable, all-powerful God is really with us. He's really sharing his strength with us. And we have no doubt he won't fail. From our passage today in Isaiah chapter 40, we're reminded that we can. (laughs) I've asked our worship team to lead us in a familiar song, Firm Foundation. I want to challenge you to consider every word as you sing it today. Would you sing it and declare it for every area in your life where you feel weak and exhausted? If you don't have the strength to sing, will you listen intently to those singing around you and let their song be yours today? Who are you standing on? Think about maybe maybe 75% of things are going okay. But there's this area. Oh man, it's discouraging. It's exhausting. It's stuck. Who are you standing on in that area of weakness or exhaustion or stuckness? Are you standing on Christ? Or are you standing on yourself? What does Christ share with you? Think about that specific area of difficulty. What does he want to share with you for that area? His strength, not yours. We know how to do it in ours, don't we? (laughs) We're pretty good at it. He wants to share his strength with you. He wants to put his strength in that area. Whoa. Will he fail? He won't. He won't. There's a way to sing this song for God. And there's a way to sing this song with God or 
more to God. I know we don't know what he looks like. But it, could you imagine that he's standing in front of you today? That might be really scary and really vulnerable. But what if you were to sing these words to him? And imagine when we get to that part where we sing, you won't fail. And we think about that very area where we especially are exhausted. Would you stand? Tim's going to lead us in this song. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, when everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus, cause he's never let me Faithful through generations So why would he fail me? He won't Sing, I still got joy I still got joy in chaos Make it your song this morning I've got peace that makes no sense so I won't be going under I'm not held by my own strength Cause I built my life on Jesus Sing it out church, come on Cause he's never let me down That's it, he's faithful in every season So why, so why would he fail now we sang today he won't. Anybody believe it in the room? He won't. He won't. Let's sing. He won't fail. Sing it with confidence. He won't fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sing. He won't. Sing. He won't. Oh. He won't. Sing. He won't fail. Lift it up. He won't he won't fail Christ is Christ is my firm foundation lift your voice this morning come on that's it when everything when everything around me is shaking I've never been seen I've never been more glad what that I put I said, why? Because he's never, because he's never let me down. Yeah, he's faithful through every generation. So why, so why would he fail now? We sing, he won't. Yeah, yeah. He won't. Lift it up, church. He won't fail. Come on. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't sing. He won't. Yeah. We sing today. He won't. Sing. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. 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 He won
won't fail. He won't fail. He won't fail. Because rain came when my house was built on. If you believe it today, I'm safe. Sing a bit. I'm Sing it again, rain came, rain came, wind blew, built on you. That's good news, I'm safe with you, and I'm safe with you, I'm gonna, yeah, so I'm gonna make it through, I'm gonna make it through, yeah, cause I'm standing strong on you, I'm gonna make it through. I'm gonna make it through Cause my house Cause my house was built on Yeah So Christ is my birth Lift your hands in the building Come on The rock on which Yeah When everything around me is shaken I've never been I put my faith in Jesus Cause he's never let me down He's faithful through generation yeah. So I would be fair He say he won Let's just stay standing and let's pray Lord <laughs> If we have felt that you have failed us, you can handle our prayers. You can handle our thoughts. Lord, you can handle our honesty. I pray that you would renew our faith in you. God, I pray that you would give us a ridiculous assurance that doesn't make any sense that you won't fail. Lord, it's true, but it doesn't make any sense. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us and counsel us and encourage us in this truth. God, not only right now, right here in your beautiful presence, but as we walk out of these doors today, as we live our daily lives, God, we give you permission to interrupt our thoughts. And, and remind us, I won't fail. Lord, may we surrender. May we surrender to you in those areas. Oh, where we have our hands in it. Mm, we're going to help you out. God, help us to let go. Oh, Jesus. We need your strength. can stay standing a little homework this week I want to recommend the book I talked about just a few minutes ago and it's called With Reimagining the Way You Relate to God my husband Greg is not generally a big reader but he read this in the fall and it I, I watched this seismic shift in his faith and he's walked with the Lord his whole life and 
he said, Kelly, you got to read this book, but don't stop in the first, at the first half because you're going to maybe feel tempted to stop following Jesus. <laughs> okay, just full disclosure out there. Okay, it's a really good book, but it came with that little warning because he said it's kind of discouraging in the beginning. But he said, this last half, you just keep, keep reading. And I want to recommend the same to you. There's just a beautiful way this author goes through a posture of walking with Christ. Like the yoke that Jesus talks about. In his rhythm, in his strength, in partnership with Jesus. And it has inspired me beyond description. I want to recommend that book to you this week. We'll also have our beautiful verse, Isaiah 40, 31, and our graphic available. If you have a prayer request, please email us at prayer at capitalchurch.com. These prayer requests do not go into an abyss. They, we see every request that comes in and we pray for every request that comes in. If you would like to pray with someone face-to-face this morning, please come up to the front as we close and, and receive prayer from one of our prayer partners. May you walk in the strength of the one, the one who shares his limitless strength with you. May you remember to lean on him in every decision And in every bend in the road this week, grace and peace. God bless you. And thank you for joining us online today.